Welcome to the Diocesan Digest, a news outlet for the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, Director of Media and Technology. In these short episodes, we will share the latest news, ministry stories, clergy, spotlights, and much more about the Diocese of Oklahoma each week. If you or your congregation wants to share a ministry story or other important news item, or even a particular topic you want to see covered on the podcast, please contact me at smith at epiok.org. right into this week's episode, y'all. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Mitch Bibelheimer this weekend while he was visiting Grace Church Yukon, telling his story about his experience serving in the Young Adult Service Corps. In this episode, Mitch provides a depth of knowledge and passion for the YASC program and in his time serving in the Philippines. We are so proud of this young Oki, and we hope you're inspired to hear from a young Episcopalian in our diocese doing God's work in the world. I've attached some links in the show notes to the organizations Mitch is serving in and a link to his blog if you want to support him more. All right, here's Mitch. Mitch, where are you from? We have to start from the beginning. Where are you yeah. from? How did you, did you grow up in the Episcopal Church? How did we get to the church? Yeah, so I grew up in Wagner, Oklahoma, um, attending both St. James and Wagner, Oklahoma, and Grace Episcopal Church in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always pretty active in youth. Um, obviously, there wasn't a huge youth group to go to, but what there was... Um, I was really active in St. Crispin's when every summer, diocesan youth events. But really what started me on this path, what, this path was um, going to Episcopal Youth Event in 2014, which was my senior year, so I was a little old to go to it, but you know, I still did. It was fun. Um, and at the closing Eucharist to that, there was, um, actually it was presiding bishop. I don't actually know if that's true. I'm pretty sure it's Michael Curry before it was presiding bishop. It was just not bishop, but you can yeah. it out. Um, so there was a bishop that came up and, um, during the closing Eucharist, they showed a video about Yask and he gave a speech about it. And I was like, I remember leaning over and talking to Blair, um, who was another active youth. She was a counselor with me too. And I talked to her and I was like, so like, that would be really cool. But like, obviously I'm not going to have time for that. Cause I was very career focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to college, you know, took a few years to figure out what my degree was going to be. I ended up liking economics and international business. And then... Um, senior year came around and I was realizing I really liked my degree but didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I was like, I don't really want to start a career that I'm going to regret in 10 years. I want to have something I'm going to enjoy. So I spent a lot of time thinking about like what I would enjoy. And I was like, well, so far in my life, the only career I've, or the only job I really enjoyed was working as a camp counselor at St. Crispin's. Um, so I didn't know what about it at camp I could go with for the rest of my life. I was like, maybe it's kids. Maybe I should work with kids. Maybe it's volunteering really long hours and being stressed and tired. I don't know. Um, but I went ahead and I decided maybe it's just me looking for something more. So I was like, what can I do that would give me maybe something more? Um, and I thought back to EYE and that YASC. So I looked into YASC. 
Um, I decided it wouldn't hurt to apply, so I went ahead and applied. And the further I got on the process, the more excited I got about it, so I realized that's what I should be doing. So mm-hmm. then I applied to YASC, went to the discernment retreat, mm-hmm. um, went through orientation, and ended up in the Philippines. That's awesome. So explain a little bit about what YASC is. What does it stand for, and how do you get placed somewhere? Yeah, it's an important thing to say, which I forget. YASC is Young Adult Service Corps, um, which is the international volunteer program of the Episcopal Church. Mm -hmm. Um, So they send people all around the world. Um, During the discernment retreat, which is a four-day weekend um, around February, when you go up and stay at a monastery in New York, which is a really cool experience either way. I can only imagine. It was a lot of fun getting to see actual monks. They do exist. Episcopalians do have them. Okay, so um, it was an Episcopal monastery. It was an Episcopalian oh, monastery. Oh, I assumed it was Catholic. What yeah, you, you would think. Ah. But, yeah, it was part of the Holy Cross Order, which is, they have a few around the world. Um, but, yeah, so you go up, they pay, the church pays for everything, because, you know, college student. Um, and the way that works, it's a mutual discernment. So mm-hmm. it's you discerning whether the program is right for you, and it's the program deciding whether it's the right time for you, while at the same time learning about what you want from the program, the assets you have, um learning about all of that to kind of place you in the right program. And that ends with an interview that's one-on-one with one of the staff in here. Actually, just sitting down talking about, like, here are the different programs that we have that you could go to. Which type of programs are you interested in? What are things, living situations you would not be willing to live in? Um, Just a straightforward conversation of, like, what would be good for you? What would not be good for you? Um, At the end of that process, they had a few programs they were interested in, like, looking into for me. Um, Because obviously after that process, they have to go and talk to the partners because it's all, they all send, they they send people to um, partners in the Anglican communion. So like, I'm with the Episcopal Church in the Philippines, specifically with eCare, which is the community development branch of that. Mm -hmm. There are um, Yaskers in Hong Kong working with Mission to Seafarers, which is an Anglican program. Actually, the longest Anglican mission program is go on boats, talk to, it's a neat program. Um, Not quite for me. Um, they have the same program in New Zealand. They have um, the Diocese of Liverpool in England. They have a program in Rome working with, um, uh, what are they called? The people that come to refugees. Mm. So they have the program in Rome working with refugees. Um, so they have programs all around the world, all working with different Anglican partners. So basically they figure out what you want from the program. I was really interested in community development. Mm-hmm. It fit well with my degrees, and I was like, this is something I would be interested in. Um, so they had a few programs they were looking into, and then after that discernment process, um, they say you have to wait at least five days before you say yes or no. Like You have to really think about the discernment. They want you to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, at that point, I was super excited, so I was like, yes, like for sure. And then they start talking to partners of where they could send you, and then they figure out where you would go best, um, and after that process, like you're allowed to say, I'd rather go somewhere else, but I don't know that anyone has, cause at, the, at that point they've already done the, like, they've already gotten to know you. They've already figured out what you want from it and they already listen you to a certain, so then they say, how about this placement? And then you say yes. So like at the sermon, you say yes to the program. And then a few months later, when they have a specific place set up for you, then you say yes to the placement. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big yes is yes to the program, which a lot of people are nervous about because they're like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know if I should do it. It it works out. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And then after that, there's a two-week orientation where you go back to the same monastery, um, and that's over the summer. So we went back to the same monastery, spent two weeks there learning about all the different placements, learning a lot of, you know, this is culture shock. This is what you're going to experience. This is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. This is going to be crazy. 
all of that stuff, um, which was also a lot of fun. Good to go back to the monastery. That's really cool. How long of time span do you spend, like, out in the mission, out in the Philippines or wherever they place you? Yeah, so YASC is similar, Young Adult Service Corps, is similar to, like, the, um, the Service Corps in that it's... Okay, not really. Gonna I was that. thinking it's like the Peace Corps. Yeah, the it's, Peace Corps is two years, right? So it's like the Peace Corps, except it's a one-year program. One year. And then you get to come back, and then you're allowed to extend for a second year. Okay. Um, so the main difference between the Young Adult Service Corps and the Peace Corps is, A, it's through the church. So when you arrive, you are by yourself, as in you don't go with a group from the U.S. So I'm purely working with Filipinos. I live with Filipinos. I live in a town where I'm the only white person. Really? Um, so that's one big difference. And the wow. other big difference is like, um, it's a one year program and you can extend to a second year. Like I extended for a second year, yeah. but you don't have to make that commitment up front. And also the discernment process is the other big difference of you don't sure. just go to a program. They learn about you. They learn what you want. Right. They learn where you would go. Mm-hmm. So those are the big differences. Mm-hmm. Both are great. Yeah, definitely. So have you had to learn Tagalog? So Tagalog and English are the two national languages in the Philippines. Okay, so lots um, of people speak English. Yeah, so everyone learns both Tagalog and English in school from grade, you know, 1 through 12. They have mm-hmm. both in English and Tagalog. But where I'm living, um, neither one of those are like the main languages. So there's, I'm living in Bontoc, which is the capital of Mountain Province in the Philippines, so in northern Luzon. And the dialect everyone grows up speaking in their home is Kankanai. Um, which is slightly different in different areas where you go. Like, there are different versions of Kankanai. But in general, Kankanai is the main one they grew up speaking. Hmm. And then Ilocano is the regional dialect, which is similar to Ilo- to Kankanai. Um, but those are the two languages that are generally spoken in conversation when it's someone from, you know, where you are. But also everyone knows Tagalog and everyone knows English. So, like, mm-hmm. it's easy. You can always communicate because everyone right. knows English. But obviously, when you're living somewhere, you try to learn the language. Mm-hmm. But I've been focusing on a combination of Ilocano and Konkanai instead of Tagalog. Because Tagalog is, in my region, Tagalog is more similar to English as it's yeah. a second language I learned in school. So at that point, okay. better to just speak English. That's so cool. So tell me about eCare and what exactly the work is you're doing there. Yeah, so eCare stands for Episcopal Community Action for Renewal and Empowerment. Um... So to answer that, it's kind of a history lesson on the church. Mm -hmm. So the Episcopal Church in the Philippines came from the Episcopal Church in the U.S. After World War II, we sent missionaries and started expanding into there. Um, But because the Spanish had conquered the Philippines and lived there for over 350 years, it's like 98% Roman Catholic. But a proud point of the Igorots, and Igorots are people living in the northern Cordillera region where I'm living, specifically Mountain Province. Um, is they were never conquered by the Spanish. They were never conquered by the Japanese during World War II. Um, they're very proud of that fact. More guerrilla warfare type stuff. Wow. Um, so that means they were never really largely, you know, Roman Catholic. They were never really Christianized. Um, so the Episcopal Church came in with a different strategy. Um, and that was that they came in with... Um, so Sagat is a good example of that. Sagat is the very first missionary went to Sagat. His name was Brent. He became Bishop Brent. He was an engineer, so he helped design um, roads for the local community. He um, started off by building or working in um, healthcare, working in a school. So now in Sagata, there's a hospital, there's a fiscal school, and there's the large church. But the church was the third thing that started. Mm-hmm. So he started the hospital, he started the school before he started the church because he brought 
just helping and being a part of the community before he brought his faith. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how the Episcopal Church was kind of able to move into those areas that have been excluded from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how the Episcopal Church started there. And then 1990s, they decided we want to be independent from the Episcopal Church in the U.S., even though over 70% of their budget was coming from the U.S. Mm -hmm. So they started off the process like they do with a lot of other countries that Mexico is going through right now, where they want to be independent. So they start to taper off their funding from the U.S., and then that would have been mid 90s, so like 95, 96. And that was a 10 year, it was more like 98, but that was a 10 year cutoff. So they were like slowly cutting themselves off. Mm -hmm. And then around 2005, they had a meeting with the Episcopal Church, the Episcopal Church in the Philippines. So delegates from them came to the Episcopal Church. And the goal of that meeting was to say, we need to extend it because like we've been running at a deficit. We haven't paid our priests in six months. We don't have enough funding. So like mm -hmm. we need to extend this and get more money. Mm -hmm. um, and at that meeting, Attorney Floyd, uh, Attorney Floyd Lollett is now the director of eCare. Um, he said, instead of extending this, why don't we just cut ourselves off? And that's using the asset-based approach. So at the end of the meeting, they decided to cut themselves off. Um, and the goal of that was, instead of looking to the Episcopal Church to fund us, why don't we look at our own assets? Why don't we look at our own church and see where we can get more money to fund ourselves? I love it. And... 2005, they had an 18% deficit, and they were still getting 13% of their budget from the Episcopal Church. My numbers could be a little off. I haven't read this article in a while. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end of 2006, which was their first year financially free, they actually had a surplus for the first time since they started to cut themselves off in the mid-90s. Mm -hmm. um, and they actually, at General Convention, they gave a representative check to the United States. Like, they gave money to the United States. It was a, it was a small amount, but it was a thing of, like, we were able to cut ourselves off. We were able to fund ourselves. All we had to do was stop looking to outside partners to fund us and start looking at ourselves. Yeah. And then after that, the development program that was in the Philippines decided to start that same process mm -hmm. of instead of focused on grant-based visit giving, which they had started to see the problem of whenever you go to help a community, you give a grant. A lot of what they did before this, um, before they switched to ABCD, was focused on grant-based giving. ABC is asset-based community development. Okay. Um, so before they switched to ABCD, a lot of the program was water projects, so getting potable water to communities that would have to hike, you know, miles to get it before. Mm -hmm. um, and they realized that even though these communities had the assets and the power and they were supposed to keep up with these projects, when something went wrong or the community needed something else, instead of looking to themselves to solve it first, the first person they would look to is the church. And they would say, hey, church, we need help to solve this problem. Um, so that was the dependency problem that you realize with grant-based giving, which also turned into a lack of initiative because the first person you look to is not yourself or your own community to solve the problem. You look mm -hmm. to someone else in an outside right. source. So that's when we started eCare, which was officially started in 2006. Mm, I actually don't know. That. It might have been 2012. It was officially started after that. Okay. Um, and eCare is all focused on asset-based community development, which is all about empowering local communities to increase their income, because with an increased income, they can solve their own problems. Um, so it's never about grant-based giving or giving money to situations. We never hand out money for any reason. Um, it's all about asset-based development, how you can use the resources around you to uh, basically create small businesses and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So what is your day-to-day -day like when you're there? So my day-to-day -day is mostly, I would say I don't have a normal day. On a normal week, I would spend maybe four weeks doing community visits, which is the most interesting thing that we do. And that's, so EDNP, which is Episcopal Diocese of Northern Philippines, which is where I'm living, 
um, there are two eCare staff, and the two eCare project officers is I go with them to community visits. We have 47 community partners in that diocese specifically, so we would travel around to those different community partners. Um, community partners are normally like an organization that functions like a co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means you develop or the staff develop an organization that um, community members buy into and then because they're part of that co-op they get advantages and they get um, different benefits. Mm-hmm. So after these um, organizations start to grow, um, eCare comes back and we talk about, we do different trainings, we do different assessments. Um, so every day we show up to community, sometimes we're able to drive, sometimes we drive and hike, um, just really depending on how rural the community is. Mm-hmm. So we show up to the community, you always get offered coffee when you first get there. Um, table fellowship is a huge thing in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So you show up, they give you coffee, some sort of snack, you talk about whatever the main reason you're there is, whether it's financial management, whether it's leadership training, whether it's policy um, formation, or whether it's just a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, we now do Bible studies with every meeting we go to. Um, so there's always a Bible study, but sometimes you really just go do a Bible study, check on the community and come back. Um, so we go do whatever the main thing we're there is. Um, we always share at least one meal before we come back because they insist on you you know, eating with them freely. Sometimes you have to, before you leave, they'll have you go to like four different households to go and eat with one family and then another is. And so it's a table fellowship's a lovely thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone always wants to open their home to you. Awesome. Um, and then we come back. And the days we're not doing that, we're in the office, whether it's planning for the next visit, I've gotten better at chess. Um, <laughs> so yeah, lots of things. And then I also do a lot of work with the local youth group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I live at the Cathedral of All Saints in Bontoc. Um, I live on their compound. And every Sunday they do three services. And the four o'clock service is run by the youth. So they do the readings, they pick the songs, they play the songs, they're the choir, all of that. Wow. Um, so we have meetings at least three times a week where we go over different things. We all share, we all lead at my house most nights. I mean, Deacon Dexter is my roommate who's more the head of the youth group. So I'm just like with him, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a great thing. That's really cool. Love it. I love that. What, um, how, what are ways in which you see God showing up in this work for you? Yeah. So that's another thing I feel like I've learned a lot personally Mm -hmm. because before I went to the Philippines, everything, I mean, yes, I went to church growing up, but really everything I knew about God was through camp, which was, as a counselor, it was a lot of conversations, developing other people's faith, but not super thinking about my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the Philippines, I started to think about the question of like, where do I see God? And I realized I saw God most in relationships. Mm-hmm. So like the main thing I do is build relationships, whether it's with my coworkers or with communities. Um, it's all about building a relationship. And when I started seeing the relationships that they have with other people, whether it's every day at the compound, we play basketball at four o'clock. So after school goes out, some of the different clergy, some of the kids from the community, everyone comes and plays basketball at four. Um, and it's just such a lighthearted game. Like no one gets upset when they get scored on. Um, it's just fun. Everyone's laughing the whole time. I've never seen such a playful game of basketball. It's every day. And like, I feel like in those interactions like that, you see God or whether it's, a grandma taking care of her grandchild or in, when you're in communities, you see all kinds of relationships mm-hmm. around you. Um, most of it's just loving communities like ECW is a strong one, which mm. Episcopal Church Women mm-hmm. um, is normally like huge networks, not huge, there are big networks of women within the church. Mm-hmm. And it's just to see those interactions is just adorable. And I feel like in those relationships and those human interactions between people is where I've learned to see God more. Mm-hmm. 
Um, how would you, or would you encourage other young people to do these types of programs? So, and what type of person do you think you'd have to be to want to yeah. go do something like this? I feel like it's a very bold, courageous thing for a young person to want to go yeah. to a whole new community, a whole new culture. But but you're still a part of the Episcopal Church, which is kind of neat, which is, mm-hmm. like you said, different from the Peace Corps, and that you're with like the greater family of the church, but it's in just a different culture. Yeah. It's really remarkable. It's, it's a lot. It's definitely not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, technical requirements, you have to be Episcopalian, age 21 to 30. Okay. But at the same time, I think, I mean, in my experience, I was a church camp counselor, so I obviously think counselors would be great at this. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think of what makes a great counselor, anyone could be a great counselor. Like, do you think of the extroverted counselors, because those are the two or three that everyone hears and sees, because they're the mm-hmm. super active, but... I think all different types of people can be great counselors. So at the same time, I think all types of people could be great volunteers or quote-unquote missionaries, which there's a lot of baggage with that word, but mm-hmm. we'll use it. Um, so I think all people would be great at it. But I do think it's a serious discernment process. Like, it's mm-hmm. not easy to move to a country where you actually don't know anyone. Like, you've emailed one person a few times to talk about your program, and that's the only, you know, communication you have with someone before you show up and move there. Mm-hmm. Um and that it is a hard process, but if someone's thinking about it, my suggestion would be to apply and go to discernment because mm-hmm. discernment is a process where you show up at a, it's a cool thing at a monastery with all these other people that are asking themselves the same question. Right. Like what's the next step for me? Is this right for me? Right. Um, so, I mean, if you're thinking about it, it's the same advice that was given to me by Kate Jewett Wilson, Kate Jewett Wilson, Williams, Kate Jewett. Yeah. Kate Jewett Williams who was one of my childhood counselors growing up at St. Crispin's. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was doing YASC working in Liverpool. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, what would you suggest for someone that's thinking about this? And she said, go to discernment. Mm -hmm. Um, Go discern this question with people that are doing the same thing. Take it seriously, because it is a hard thing. Um, And like, you'll know. Mm -hmm. Was was there another question there? I feel like there might have been. I wanted to get to, because I need to let you go back in there. Yeah. Where can people find you and hear about what you're doing? And how can people support you? Yeah, so um, everyone should follow along on Facebook or Instagram at Henry Mitchell Bibelheimer. Um, always gone by Mitchell in the U.S., but officially my first name is Henry, um, which a lot of people know. Um, but in the Philippines, I go by Henry because Mitchell's not really a name there. Um, and Henry's a normal name, so I go by Henry. Um, but yeah, find me, follow me. Um, I'd love for you to share in all of my stories. Um, I'm writing a blog called In God's Economy, which you can find at mm. yaskmitchell.wordpress.com. Okay. Um, I haven't posted in a while, but I just made a bet with someone that I would post twice a month, um, and that should be for the next year. So we'll see if we can both keep up with that. That'd be good practice. And we'll include that in the show notes and yeah. all of our website stuff. But yeah, so. everyone should definitely follow along. Um, I'm representing the whole diocese. Like A lot mm-hmm. of what I do is like representative of the Diocese of Oklahoma. So yeah. it's really cool to see that mission, bigger picture. Um, but also if anyone would like to donate, mm-hmm. um, one of the things with Yask is we do do fundraising, which is 10000 a year. Um, thinking about Yask, don't get scared of it, because I didn't raise it my first year. <laughs> Not a big deal. Um, but it is a great way for people to feel involved and really yeah. buy into the mission. So if anyone would like to do that, mm-hmm. um, the links are on my blog, which you can get to through Facebook or Instagram. Okay. And that would be great. Well, thank you for, for your time, Mitch, and sharing thank your story. You. We're so proud of you and all the work you're doing. Well, thank you so much. Yeah.
Thanks for joining us, y'all. Be sure to sign up for the Diocesan Newsletter at our website, epiok.org newsletter. And follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week, and peace be with you.